This is the Real Rebel Podcast, and you're listening to the Rebel Chats Edition. This is for the people who push the boundaries of our society, for the people who live on the fringe, for the people who aren't afraid to question the status quo and live life as exactly who they are, not as who they should be. These are the people who make us uncomfortable, who speak truth and break glass ceilings, who aren't afraid to stand up and face themselves, who refuse to be oppressed and help us expand and evolve the edges of humanity. These are the real rebels. And this podcast is for them. Hey guys, it's your host, Katie B. And thank you so much for joining me on this Rebel Crew Chats edition of the RRP. If this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, happy to have you here and you've picked a great episode to join us on. Today I am talking with CL Bo and CL is an up and coming artist and designer in Vancouver. And sh- there's something special about CL in that she has the gift of and I'm going to butcher this word, and you'll hear me butcher it in this episode as well, called synesthesia. So basically, that's a condition where the brain mixes up the senses and stimulation of one sensory pathway, leading to automatic, involuntary experiences in a second sensory pathway. So to put that very simply, CL feels color and sees shape when she hears sound. So I found this just super fascinating um, and I love how she's integrated it into her work. Um, And aside from the work that she does, she's also just a very sweet, kind um, person and you'll hear that through this episode. And we talk about um, confidence and how that it's something that she's been working on and stepping forward into doing the work that she is so clearly meant to do um, on this earth. And we talk about intentions, self-doubt, comparison, music, and the role that it plays in her work, and and just a lot more. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode. And just a side note too, the audio is not amazing. So when I first started the podcast, the relaunch, I was using this uh, software that I hadn't used before. And I wasn't aware that it was not the greatest decision. So my first couple episodes or the, my first couple recordings weren't um, so amazing, but my my wonderful editor, Aris, he's done, done his best. But um, it's not the top-notch quality um, audio, but um, I, I would implore you to kind of just stick with it and listen to it because um, there's so many good takeaways from this episode that, um, that I think you'll really enjoy it. So, With that, uh, I will let you enjoy this wonderful chat with my dear friend, C.L. Bo, the beautiful and wonderful artist. Welcome. C.L. Pronounced C.L. I saw that on your website. Yeah. (laughs) C.L. Is it C.L. Bo? Yes. Yeah, exactly. C.L. Bo. Yeah. Awesome. Cool name. So you are an artist and a designer. You're based out of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of wonderful artists in Vancouver. It's like such a a great, uh, I don't know what the proper word is, but it, it like fosters creativity, I think. Mm-hmm. There's a pretty big community here. Yeah, yeah. So, but there's something different. And I wanted to get into this right away because I think it's the coolest. That's why I was so intrigued by you. There's something different about how you do your work. And I'm going to butcher this totally but you experience <laughs> you and I even YouTube this to see to make sure I was pronouncing it right yeah synesthesia synesthesia yeah so 
this is a condition where your brain mixes up the senses and stimulation of one sensory pathway leading to an automatic involuntary experience in a second sensory. What does that mean? <laughs> um, yeah. So basically it's a neurological condition. So your brain cross fires sensory information, just like you said, and that can be experienced in a number of different ways. So for me, I experienced a few different ways, but in terms of my artwork, I have sound to color synesthesia, which is also called chromesthesia. There's all these sciencey words for it. It becomes too much. So the basics of it is that when I hear sound, I see color and shape. Wow. What is that like? Like, um, I don't, it's normal to me. So it's kind of hard for me to like, yeah, compare it to any, anything really. It's fun though, I guess. I mean, some people it's disruptive. So for me, I don't find it disruptive. There are some people who their vision is actually kind of obstructed by color and shape. Whereas for me, it's more like mind's eye. Mm. It's like my body and my brain just sort of know that certain things are happening, even though it's not like a physical, tangible thing that's happening in front of me, if that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. So I always say I see color and shape because it's the easiest way to describe it, but I actually feel color and see shape. So when I hear music and say there's like, it's purple to me, Mm -hmm. it's almost like when you feel an emotion, like the way that your body just like almost on a chemical level, like it knows that it's happy or it's sad and you just sort of like know that. And my body is just like, it's purple now or it's orange now. So it's almost, I kind of compare it to feeling emotions, but it's like the the easiest thing that I can correlate it. Mm, That's super cool. And you can see that in your work too. Like if, um, for those of you guys listening, take a look at her website, which we'll mention um, at the end here, but, or you can find her on Instagram and all that, but it's beautiful. Like it's bright, it's colorful. There's, it is like colors and shapes, like in such a clean, a clean form. How did you first, I guess this was something that you've always had ever since you were a child. Was it ever difficult for you? Like, or, or it was just like you said, it just was always there. So it was something that you never, like, how did you first discover this within yourself that you were different in this way? It was actually just, um, I guess it was about seven, six or seven years ago now that I realized that there was a word for it. So I guess I just didn't realize that there was sort of a category for what I was going through. And I also didn't really realize that other people weren't going through it. Like it just never came up. So I never really realized, I guess. But um, basically how I found out about synesthesia being a thing was in my second year in university. I went to art school at the University of Victoria. And uh, we had a painting class and the prof was like, okay, paint a piece of music. Don't be literal just paint whatever comes to you. And so I was like, okay. And I picked this like really crazy electronic song and the painting is like, it was kind of crazy. It was just like a lot of shapes, a lot of color. It was like super busy, but it was literally just like coming out of me. And it was like everything I was experiencing. And then I showed it to the class and everybody was kind of like, what? Cause sure enough, everybody else had still done literal paintings. Like the song's Uh, about birds. So they painted birds. And like, we're having a hard time being like abstract about it. And I didn't know that synesthesia was a thing then. And so people were kind of like a little confused, but they're like, yeah, that's cool, I guess, whatever. And then the following year, somebody who had been in that class with me, we happened to be in another class together. And she was like, hey, have you ever heard 
of synesthesia because I can't stop thinking about this painting that you did. And I learned about synesthesia over the summer and I think you might have it. And I was like, mm. like, I don't know what you're talking about. This sounds kind of crazy. Like I kind of like actually shrugged it off for like a good two months. I was like, yep, she told me a thing, whatever. But then eventually I was like, maybe I should look into that. And then I did. And it was sort of like an aha moment where I was like, wow, that's exactly what's happening for me. Yeah. So it was really cool. And then I just started doing more research about it and just trying to understand what other people with synesthesia are experiencing as well. Because synesthesia as a whole is like a very broad term. There's a lot of different ways that people experience what is considered synesthesia. So for example, with my work, it sounds a color synesthesia, but there's also something called spatial uh, synesthesia. So where you see your dates and like your month's calendar time in sort of a different way than Mm. most people like how do you see when you sort of like picture your calendar year how do you visualize that just out of curiosity um ah no one's ever asked me that before that's a really good question I would say in my mind's eye is that what you're asking yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when I I describing it exactly how it looks everything is black and then there's like a row of actual looking calendars. It starts at January and then it goes in a straight line all the way to the end to December. Totally. And that's like really the linear sort of way of seeing a calendar is like very normal. It's like really either it's like up and down or like across. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, when I envision calendar and time, it's on like a pivoted axis and winter is at the top and then it goes like around to the bottom. And it's always been like that. It never changes. It's like really weird. And I didn't know that that was weird either, but apparently that's also synesthesia. (laughs) I was like, this is so bizarre. Um, But yeah, but a lot of people see things more linear, whereas with synesthesia, people see it. Sometimes people see like numbers in front of their faces and savants are often thought to also sort of, there's a crossover with synesthesia as well. What's a savant? At the risk of sounding like a total... (laughs) No, I mean, like I said it, and then I was like, if she asked me how to describe this, it's like people who are just like extraordinarily smart, like, Uh, okay, okay, just on that like next level. Mm -hmm. And like when you see in like shows and stuff, there's someone who's like insanely good at like math or something, and then the show will put like numbers and things like going in front of their face or whatever because they're thinking so quickly. That actually happens for some people who have synesthesia, they like see numbers and things in front of them like that, which. I find really fascinating. I don't experience that type of synesthesia, so that's really cool. There's also one called um, lexical gustatory synesthesia, and that's where tastes are experienced when hearing words. So like the word paint might taste like lemon to somebody. Like if they just hear that word, all of a sudden they just taste lemon in their mouth. Oh, wow. It's so wild. Like the brain is such a crazy... It truly is. It truly is. And it sounds like... To me, it sounds like the way you described your your months and the way you see like with the winter at the top, it sounds like a very feminine, you know, there's like the yin and the yang, the masculine mm-hmm. and the feminine. It sounds like a very feminine way. I'm like, you must also be quite intuitive um, as well. And like, I feel like if you're already thinking that way in your brain, you must be feeling like a highly sensitive individual as well. Yeah, a lot of people with synesthesia are extremely empathetic. Mm. Um, so that totally, yeah, I think goes hand in hand. There's also people say that um, a lot of people have synesthesia when they're kids and then we like grow out of it. Uh, so it might just have 
partially have to do with um, sort of how much we stay in touch with that or like, I'm not sure. But yeah, definitely empathy has something to do with it. There's one other kind of synesthesia called mirror touch. And that basically is where you, when you see something happen to somebody else, like say someone's shoulder, someone is tapping someone else's shoulder and you see that happening, you feel your own shoulder getting tapped. Type wow. of thing. Super empathic. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, and I have that one, but mostly when it comes to people getting hurt. So um, if I see, especially like quick impact pain, there's like a spot in my lower back that hurts when I see other people. If it's TV or real life, but I always feel that it's like consistent every time. So sometimes I have to be like careful about what I'm watching or even just like environments like sports are kind of hard for me to watch, especially high impact ones. But I mean, you just kind of learn to deal with it. <laughs> I can totally relate to that too, because I I hate watching like horror movies or any kind of like movies, like you say, where there's like intense impact because I feel it in my, like, it's like, ooh, like it's intense and it's not enjoyable to watch it because you can feel it. And I, I think you're right is that we have disconnected from ourselves uh, to a certain extent as you grow older. And it's so, it's such a beautiful thing that you're, you're able to kind of be still connected to this in such a way and to use it in your work. I mean, that's really amazing in itself. And going into your work, you had an incredible year this last year. 2018 for a lot of people was a bit of a hectic year. That's like the general vibe that I'm getting. But it sounds like to you, it was a very powerful year. You had a show that um, it was called An Early Funeral. <laughs> Maybe, could you um, explain to us a little bit about your year, but more specifically, this early funeral show and what it was all about? Totally. Yeah, I also have been getting that from a lot of people that it was like 2018 was really hard. And, you know, and I, you know, I actually had two thirds of the year was more or less challenging. I went through some big job transitions and just trying to figure out what I was doing with my life, basically. Okay. I, let's stop there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's so that, that's, I mean, I feel like that's kind of what this podcast is all about. It's like, connecting to who you really are and then going and doing that. Mm -hmm. So what what happened this year that you, with your job and everything that you kind of had some, some troubles with? Um, I had been working at a music school for the last five years and that was part-time. So I've been a freelancer, a freelance artist for the last uh, probably three, three or four years. But I, I had sort of started to feel like resistance to going into work and just feeling really like, I love my coworkers and the people that I work with. And technically I love the job, but it wasn't fulfilling me in the way that I was needing anymore. Um, like it used to fulfill me because I had all these other part-time jobs that I really hated. So then it was my refuge, but then it sort of became the thing that in a way holding me back from what I actually needed to be accomplishing. So um, I actually, I had done a group show in May with, I mean, just a bunch of people. And it was really funny because one of them at the time, I had, we were like sort of acquaintance friends. We didn't know each other super well, but sometimes I find those are the people that tell you the things that you need to hear when the people close to you don't know how to. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of, I was like a month out from my work contract kind of ending for the summer and deciding if I was going to pick it back up in the, in the fall. And so I was, you know, sort of voicing that to her. 
And she's like, well, it sounds like you're kind of using that job as a crutch and you're not like pursuing what you actually want to be pursuing. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> you're <laughs> <Yes>. so right. <laughs> so true. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I really struggled with that for a little bit. And then, um, and then in order to like feel like I was making the right choice, I still, instead of jumping a hundred percent into art, I still felt like I needed to have something that I was like going into that made it okay for me to leave my job. And mm. so that there wasn't all this like judgment or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that I decided I was going to go into the film industry and all these things. And I like took some courses over the summer and whatever. And then by the end of the summer, I just realized I was like, that is actually not what I want to do. Like I love film and I love being creative and I probably would have loved making sets and all these things. But realistically, it's actually not what I want to do. And and the whole thing the last couple of years was to be able to start working more from home and making my own hours. And you basically lose that with film. Some of my best friends work in film and I rarely see them because... The hours are intense. Intense, yeah. And it's so hard to make plans and whatever. So anyways, I so I, I had told everyone that I was going to be doing film. Mm-hmm. But then by the end of the summer, I basically just realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I was like, okay, this is embarrassing, but I have to again say that I'm doing something else. But it happens. Like I've done that so many times where you just, all we're doing is seeking that thing that that's going to connect and feel right. And there's no shame in going down a road and being full on and being like, this is it, this is it. And in a month or two months or a year or whatever, being like, actually no. And then cutting it off because that's how you, it may seem to the outside world a little bit like um, flighty or, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, they can't commit to this thing. It's like, no, actually, I'm just committed to doing what's right for me. And that means that I have to pivot all the time and change. So so it sounds like you did that. Yeah. And, and also what I realized is that every time I'd sort of made, I mean, some of them were necessary choices for employment and income and whatever, but Ultimately, I was making a lot of excuses not to fully commit to my art practice, even though it's what I spent all of my time outside of work doing. I was still putting up these weird roadblocks in front of myself. So yeah, by September, I was like, okay, enough. (laughs) And I'm just going to jump into it. And I had like a little bit of savings and yeah, just kind of, I'm 100% freelance now. So I'm doing the painting and graphic design sort of hand in hand. And yeah, it's been like a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. Like when people say, you know, the hustle is real. It's like, it's true. It's a lot, but it's also when you love it so much, it's worth it. You know, like I can't imagine spending my time doing anything else really. And when I think about that, I get like stressed. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, don't think about that because you're doing what you want to do right now. So that's everything that you need to be doing and just trying new things. Like I designed some enamel pins and sort of have a bit of an Etsy shop as well at the same time. And a big thing was focusing on this, this show because um, it's only really been like three or four months since I sort of really dove into the 100% artist life, <laughs> I guess. So, and yeah, and that's a really scary thing to do. Like, there is that, I think we have a lot of fear around money and supporting mm-hmm. ourselves. And Vancouver, I mean, it's just expensive. And now, oh my God, you have a Pantone. Okay, she just <laughs> sipped from a Pantone cup. Is this the color of the year? It's not. No, this one is no. uh, from a couple of years ago. Okay, okay. I just really liked it. <laughs> yeah, I just think that's super cool. Now I've totally like, sidetracked my brain. Um, so you're, 
it is a bit scary to do this and we do have to worry about money and all of this as well. So it's sometimes you have to be okay with being on the way, you know, like right now you're a hundred percent, but like it wasn't always that way. And you just have to slowly inch along. And sometimes we get this idea of like, it's going to be quick. One day I'm going to be doing this and the next I'm, I'm not. And then that puts too much pressure on your finances and your work, uh-huh. which I think stumps creativity. And you, you spoke also just back there, I put a note about roadblocks. You said you were putting a whole bunch of kind of ridiculous roadblocks in front of yourself. What yeah. were those? Um, I mean, part of it was taking jobs that I didn't need to be doing anymore. Oftentimes, I think I would it would even maybe be like my lack of self-discipline at the time too, but almost like subconsciously not being on top of the things that I needed to be in order to actually succeed and do what I needed to, to get to where I wanted to go kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think it was just like a lot of subconscious sabotage, <laughs> really. Yeah, there's this book that's really good. It's called, oh, I don't know what it's, no, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes for everyone listening once I remember what it is, but he talks about what's called the upper limit problem where we have this subconscious like limit of like, this is where based on our beliefs and other things like this, this is my limit. And when things get too good, there's like subconscious self-sabotage totally. that knocks you down, whether it be your career is taking off, but then your relationship falls apart or you know, you're only making... Like for me, I kept hitting the ceiling of this amount of money because it was like, this is like where you feel like your max is and I can feel it too. And Totally. I think we do we do subconsciously kind of throw, like you said, roadblocks in front of ourselves sometimes. Yeah. And then I think, yeah, that having that like upper limit thing, it almost like creates this like fear of success because then it's like, well, I don't know how to deal once I actually hit where my goal actually is. I feel like I won't be able to maintain that or all these things, but you haven't even got there yet. And there's all these steps to get you there that are going to help support you once you get there. So it's kind of silly. Yeah. And I was talking to, I'm having her on, I'm recording with her tomorrow. Her name is Lynette Duncan and she um, has this Instagram called Oracle of Your Soul and she does tarot readings. I'm so down for the tarot readings. I love so much. And uh, she, she was reading one for me the other day and she said, your, your dreams are going to come true, but you have to start living like they already have come mm-hmm. true because then you get in that headspace of like, I'm the type of woman that does X because I'm the type of woman who has, you know, X, Y, Z. So therefore I have to start living this way. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a great way to, to, you know, get yourself in that headspace because it's all the mind. Yeah. It's like, totally. Oh. There's like these moments of clarity that I have sometimes where I'm like, all of a sudden just sort of see like uninhibited what my future could look like or who I want to be and all these things. And I'm just like, man, why am I holding myself back? There's literally nothing around me that's actually, no one is actually stopping me from like, it's just myself putting up all of these things being like, but they, and these people and my partner is always like, who are they? Who are these people? Like they don't care. (laughs) (laughs) They're too busy worrying about themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Actually I reposted your, one, a thing that you said on your um, Instagram today that was about that. that, Like nobody's watching you. I was like, yes, you have to let go of that. So it's true. so true. It's so true. It's yeah. so true. You have a great partner, by the way, to to say that to you. Yeah, he really keeps me in check. It's good. <laughs> he contains my sporadic mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's like 
one of the benefits of being in a relationship, you know, you have that person to kind of, you know, bounce yourself off of. And it's often, I think that's why we're kind of opposite in relationships. Because uh-huh. you have a very like feminine energy, you're artist, you know, you have this um, synesthesia. And uh, I did that wrong again, I'm sure, but it's close. Right? <laughs> close, close. But uh, so, so I also want to talk about then along that line, how do you take care of yourself in a way to keep yourself inspired and keep yourself? Um, because I can imagine with the type of work that you do, and you know, you do have to be mindful of your mind. And are there any practices that you do to kind of keep yourself in check or keep yourself happy and healthy? Or um, The last couple months, basically in September, actually, I started doing a meditation every morning. And there's a, a friend of mine, Anita, and she runs a program called In Bed with Betty. And she's based in Vancouver, but you basically pay like monthly and every morning, Monday to Friday, there's a morning meditation. You can join live on Instagram, either 6 a.m., 7 a.m., or 8 a.m. But the 8 a.m. is like a, it's a live one that she keeps up as like a 24-hour replay. So you can watch it anytime during the day. And I found that really helpful just for kind of like accountability almost. And you kind of get like points when you tune in and then puts that towards a little shop that she has. And like, it just kind of like, it's the sort of reward system, but it's very gentle. And yeah, just because otherwise I usually fall off the map when it comes to meditation, I'll start and then I just stop. But this is the most consistent sort of window of time that I've done it. Um, So I do find that helpful. Um, Gratitude practice, I find really helpful actually, because I'm definitely a goal chaser. So when I accomplish something that I've been like really like gearing up for for like a year or two. And then like the next day I'm like onto the next and just over it kind of thing. Um, so I definitely have been trying to take more time to just be grateful for the things that I have accomplished or make lists of things that I've done. My mom actually used to give me this uh, advice. She was like, instead of making to-do lists, you should make things I did lists <laughs> so that at the end of the day, you can kind of be like, okay, this is actually what I accomplished versus like ticking off all these things on a to-do list and then just seeing the things that you didn't finish kind of thing. So it's just like a mental shift. Obviously lists are important, you know, for organization and all the things, but just that gratitude shift I think has been helpful. Um, and then I didn't have much balance actually the last like three or four months, I guess. Like since I started, it's been like pretty chaotic. And one thing that I've really been trying to figure out is like how to balance the time better and get some of that space. And over the holidays, I like basically blocked off like a week and a half to two weeks where I did nothing, like no plans, told everybody I wasn't free, which is kind of hard to do because there's like FOMO and you want to do the things with people. God, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And I just was like, I can't. I can't. I just can't. And coming out of that, though, I really have felt sort of a different sense of like how I want to engage with people, show up more, but just be more disciplined in the time that I actually am working so that um, I don't feel as tired at nighttime. So then maybe I am more willing to like go out and do things. And then I don't feel anxious about not seeing people. Um, Yeah, just like reevaluating how I use time. Also not being on my phone as much. Yeah. And I know people always say that all the time, but basically immediately after the new year, I started getting really high anxiety. And I was like, what is happening? Like, I don't even have 
a ton of work to do yet. Like I'm just kind of easing in. And I realized that it was being on my phone and sort of just seeing everyone's that they're already like kicking it into gear or like whatever they're doing. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm not in that space yet or whatever. So I just like 90% bullshit. Exactly. Exactly. I was like, (laughs) I could post something right now. That's like, what's up? I'm doing so great. Like, like, I mean, I am doing great, but I also don't need to like advertise it right now because it's not relevant to my business or my work or, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, we get so much content. So it's like, what are we actually putting out that's valuable is something that I've been thinking about a lot instead of just putting things out because we're so addicted or like in the habit of putting things out just for the sake of the fact that we're like living life mm-hmm. it's like being more conscious of you know what we're putting out there and how it affects the people that are viewing it too you know and you want to be a positive influence on people and I well at least I do <laughs> no <laughs> you know? yeah that's something that when I moved into, I kind of rebranded and did it and just shifted things a great Mm -hmm. deal. And when I was, my whole thing is when I put something out, I'm not putting it out. I have to make sure and check myself. Am I putting this out to satisfy some kind of egotistical urge to be out in or because of habit? But, But more importantly, is this for me? Or do I think that this is going to be good for someone who's reading it? I will only post if I honestly can say, yeah, this is not for me. This is something that has come through me. And now I think it could be useful to other people. And I feel that more and more people are tuning into the things that are just fake and bullshitty and they're connecting more to the real stuff because there's too much, like you say. Yeah. And it's, it's totally anxiety inducing to look on the, you open your phone in the morning and someone's like, already climbed a fucking mountain and then someone else is like had a baby and someone's engaged and you're like well shit like I'm not even out of my pajamas yet (laughs) I am a failure at life but you know not you know not really but these are these are the thoughts that that kind of you're like oh it's it's tough so totally you along the lines of what you were saying is being more mindful of your time and how you're working I really like how you say that you're being more you're allowing yourself time to enjoy things because then you're more productive in the hours that you are working. Yeah. And I found the same for myself. It's so funny. I had this conversation with myself in the woods yesterday and it was, I will only work Monday to Friday, Friday at five and that's it. Mm -hmm. And if I haven't finished it, it's not done and I have to deal with that consequence and the weekend is totally free. But then I work incredibly well late at night. So I'm allowing myself to do that. Yeah. So like I work well in the morning, in the middle of the day, I might as well, like I can't even remember my name. And then at the end of the day, (laughs) so you have to find how how you work as well individually. Totally. Yeah. I actually, there was just one other thing on that sort of zone with like social media and our productivity. Someone I know had posted this, and I, I'm like going to print it out and put it on my wall because I was like, this is so true and also really sad because I don't want to tally up the number of hours. But it was basically the average person spends four hours and 40 minutes on their phone every day, 145 hours a month. I leave the phone at home now. In 145 hours, you can write a book, get a pilot's license, <gasps> spend time with kids, start a business. And that's just one month. Now imagine 12. Oh my God. And then I was like, oh my God, it's so true. Like the amount of time I have lost on social media. And I was like, there's so many things. Like I really want to illustrate a children's book and like all these things that are sort of like 
other goals that aren't specific to my like direct business, but I could be using that time to do those things and not just wish about it and actually do it. (laughs) Ah, yes. That's so true. It's so funny. You said get a pilot's license. I always wanted to get a pilot's license. I know that's ridiculous, but like, (laughs) I think it'd be so cool. People who have actual licenses, if they're listening right now, they're like, yeah, okay. Good luck. Get a dream though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Got the time if you want to. <laughs> exactly. That's it, right? It's like it, it, the, the hours are there in the day. Uh-huh. So you can choose how to, and, and also it's not good to put too much pressure on yourself to always be producing totally all the time because sometimes you just have to say, screw it. I'm just not today, like not yeah. today. And you need that space as well. Like it's a mix of everything. Yeah. I think that's like one thing actually that uh, working for myself has been maybe the most positive just because I do sort of have like up days and down days and whatever, but sort of seeing, um, like really checking in with myself. I mean, obviously if I have deadlines and stuff, it's like you work, you get through it and whatever. But if it's a day that's sort of just like an open creative day and I'm really not feeling it, then it's like, okay, like I can be gentle with myself. I'm going to just chill a little bit today and not put my like pressure to get certain things done today, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, get back to it the next day. But really giving myself that space and not the type of space where you're like, oh, I'm giving myself space, but secretly I'm also just anxious about the fact that I'm not doing anything. I'm starting to get a little bit better at that and like actually allowing the time and then just being like, okay, now we bounce back and it's okay. But you have the energy now. Yeah. And you bounce back stronger. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And you're more productive and you get more done and it's hard to catch yourself in that too. And sometimes just not feel like you're being lazy, but it's Mm -hmm. like, And I feel like people who have the nine to five job might, you know, say, oh, for me, like I walk in the woods every day, once a day for like an hour. And that's a luxury that I have. But also I feel like people who do work nine to five, there is a time in the day where they might as well be walking in the woods or they might as well go out and do something completely different because they're not really being as productive. Totally. As it could, because our, our brains are not meant to like go full speed for that long on such a consistent basis. It's just not. It's just not, you know, unless you're on something, but you know, that's not. <laughs> I wanted to ask you too, uh, you, you put on this show. Right. The, yes. The, I mean, for, okay. First, first, before I go into this line of questioning, an early funeral show, the title, what is the meaning behind it? Cause I think it's really, I'm intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So basically the concept of the show was to commemorate musicians who had died either unexpectedly or too young. So that was basically where the title came from. I was actually uh, inspired by Mac Miller because he passed away in September. And that was like the exact week that I was trying to figure out what the next concept for my show was going to be. And I hadn't actually really listened to much of his music, but for some reason it really like affected me a lot. And maybe it's, you know, partly because it was an overdose situation. And I have, you know, I know people in situations like that. And either way, it really like affected me. And then it just also reminded me, I'm also a musician. And there's been a lot of deaths in the music community, especially the last two years. And that's been affecting a lot of people. And so it kind of felt sort of like a symbolic, you know. Like you're commemorating them or... Yeah, and it, but his death sort of just like was the sort of the last straw in a way that like really I was like, okay, something is happening right now. There's like a problem, serious problem. What do you think it is? 
I mean, the music industry is changing a lot. And I, I think in some ways, like people, well, musicians and artists are just more sort of vulnerable to suicide and like drug issues and things like that because we're so emotional or not even like, I don't mean that in like a negative way, almost like empathetic or like we feel so deeply. So some people, it's just really hard to deal with that, I think. And so people don't, if they're not raised maybe with the proper tools or just life has thrown them curveballs and they don't know how to deal with it, then sometimes we turn to things that, you know, aren't necessarily good for us or whatever. And that's like anybody, but I think definitely people who are more likely to be like creatively... Highly sensitive individuals. Yeah, highly sensitive individuals. Exactly. Yeah. So that I, I, that's, I guess, part of it. I mean, I think maybe we're seeing it more now just because everything is broadcasted all the time. So we're just like seeing more of it, even though it was happening before. But I also think that we're going, like the world is shifting and we're, I think we, we can feel it, but we're not necessarily acknowledging it, but it's a tough time to be alive. I think for a lot of people and like globally. So there's definitely a lot of shifts and I don't know that everybody knows how to handle that. And, you know, where you could have been a drug addict before more easily, there is now a fentanyl crisis. And, you know, there's just so many things at play that, yeah, I don't know. The volume is being turned up. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the show was inspired by Mac Miller, but then I was like, but there's so many amazing musicians who like died unexpectedly or in unfortunate circumstances, but we love and commemorate their music you know, every day. So I just really wanted it to be kind of like a, a makeshift memorial. And um, yeah, and it, it's kind of, it was interesting, I think, because with the title and the branding of it was all black and almost like um, sort of those memorial pamphlets that you would get at a funeral or things like that. So it was very like dark branding of the show, but then the actual show itself was like very vibrant, super bright. And I think a lot of people weren't unless they knew my work ahead of time, weren't necessarily expecting that. But I got that comment a lot. They're like, it's so interesting that, you know, it's such a like heavy concept in a way, but the show itself is actually really bright. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly what I wanted really, because it was about, you know, when they were alive, they were so alive and they offered the world so much. So yeah, like Freddie Mercury, Amy Winehouse, Mm -hmm. Janis Joplin in there. Um, There was Mac Miller, Avicii. Selena, Aaliyah, Otis Redding, Dolores from the Cranberries. Uh, there was Lincoln Park for Chester, Whitney Houston, Biggie and Tupac. And then there was the three musicians uh, that passed away in the plane crash the day the music died. It was uh, Ricky Valens, Buddy Holiday, Buddy Holly. Oh my God, I always forget if it's Holly or Holiday. It's so <laughs> embarrassing. And then uh, oh, I forget the third guy that was on the plane with him because I had actually never heard of him beforehand but either way yeah Um, but amazing and amazing and they're they're bright stars that you know I feel like sometimes people do come into this life and they're so bright and Mm -hmm. so powerful and they give it everything they possibly have and then their soul is like I'm done like Mm -hmm. I did it I did it and that's like for me you know there's some wonderful people that uh people I knew that passed away at the Squamish uh the Shannon Falls this year oh yeah yeah and they were the same. They were living their life full volume, full blast. They yeah. were wasting no time. And and I think there's a sense of peace that can be found 
around that, but also, of course, bright colors because you're celebrating these incredible people. Uh-huh. And I feel like when death happens, we default to, you know, of course, sadness. We have to feel our grief. We have to feel our sadness. There is that that needs to be acknowledged. But also, I can't remember what I was listening to. It was a long years ago. And someone said, why is it that when someone's on their deathbed, we we circle around them and we mourn and we're sad? We should be like, look at what you did. Like, look at this life you did. Let's have a party. Like, let's go out in a party. You, you, this is something to celebrate. And so I think I, I really like how you you did do it right because number one, that's that's how you work, but also it is something to celebrate. So I fully agree with that. Totally. In doing a show like this, and just putting your art out there, it's bold, it's beautiful. Do you ever experience self-doubt? And if you do, <laughs> you're like, I know, I knew I was going to get that reaction from you. <laughs> what, what do you do about it? Is there an internal dialogue that you have with yourself? Or do you catch yourself? Like, what does that look like for you? My self-doubt is horrendous, I have to be honest. I yeah, this isn't it's like been a lifelong struggle. My like confidence level has always been fairly low, which is weird because I'm also like the way that I put myself out there in life, a lot of people are like, Oh, you're so brave, but I never feel brave about it. It always just feels like I'm an imposter or something. Imposter um, syndrome, that's a real It's so real. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Although um yeah, recently I've been trying, I guess, I don't really make New Year's resolutions, but I sort of make intentions, I guess, which is just like a, it's almost the same thing though, but it's slightly. It's like a less pressure kind of Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, I'll put something out there, but I'm also not going to hate myself if I don't accomplish that specific thing. Sidetrack totally, but like Oprah, I heard Oprah talk about that. She said on a, on a goop podcast on Gwen and you know, I don't okay. It's whatever. Cool. I understand. Said, yeah. You know what I'm saying before. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and she said she learned very early that if you want something, see it in your mind. Yes, you want it. Acknowledge that you want it and then let it go completely. And I think an intention is kind of like that. You're like, yeah, this is this is the energy I'm putting out there. This is what I want. But I'm not gonna sit there and like stare at it every day and like, you know, stress about it because totally. then that blocks, I think, you know the art of allowing that, that whole thing, it blocks all that good stuff. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I sidetracked you completely. No. Yeah. It was, yeah. Self-doubt. Yeah. You put out intentions <laughs> instead, of, instead of goals and yes. yeah. Yeah. So I, one of my, for this coming year, sort of intention was just like confidence is like a thing that I really want to work on because I kind of realized that like self-doubt is silly. We all have self-doubt to some extent, I think. Except for some people who are like really lucky. <laughs> um, uh, these people don't exist. <laughs> yeah. I don't think. Yeah, I think everybody to some extent has self-doubt because we yeah. don't know what's ahead. So then it's like, you know, it's the question. Am I going to be able to accomplish that? Am I good enough? Am I whatever? But I think letting go of the comparison game, which is something that I have done so much the last couple of years, especially, and just being like, oh, well, I really want this. And I would love to be as, you know, recognized or good as this person. But then, like, that's silly. You know, like, yes, it's okay to want those things, but it's also like, I don't want to compare myself to that person because our journeys have been totally different. So I can see the thing that I want, and then how do I, like, work towards getting that? But but yeah, basically just trying to cut the comparison game, owning my confidence, and just trusting that I have something that's maybe a little bit different than everybody else. And even if it wasn't, 
that my perspective in bringing it is different than anybody else because I'm the only one that's lived my life. So kind of just trusting that, I guess. Um, it's a tough one though. Well, it's, that's all you can do. You, like you just got to put your blinders on and you got to keep going because mm-hmm. and even if it is the wrong thing right now, it will lead you, you'll know then it's the wrong thing. And But you can't, if you're constantly looking to the side, you can't ever really get to where you're wanting to go because you're always watching other people and you're, that's when the self, like you're comparing your, if you compare yourself to some, you know, artist who's, who's made it, who's got the, you know, got the coffee table book and like the, all that already, all that stuff, then you're going to be like, well, it just seems too big of a mountain to climb. But if you focus on, you know, today I'm going to practice self-confidence today, I'm going to work on that. And that's what I'm going to do today. And at the end of the day, you're successful. Like you, you win and your energy is up and then it's just more of the same, like you say, more gratitude for those little things. Totally. And if you spend all your time looking at other people, then you're not spending your time focusing on what you actually need to do. And then you're not accomplishing your goals. It's like right back into that uh, social media segue because, you know, just stop watching other people so much and focus on what you actually want to be doing. Yeah. And then the more, this is kind of silly, but someone once said this to me and I say it to myself all the time, but they basically were like, the more you do, the more you do. (laughs) a revelation so simple but I was like yeah it's so true like if I do one little thing today then I'm more likely to like continue to do more and like even just getting one thing done a day that's better than getting nothing done in a day exactly yeah so just kind of I think um in terms of like feeling a little bit more confident and stuff actually this last show felt like a turning point for me in my career and sort of where I want to go and what I want to put out in the world and the way that people are now seeing me as well. But I was terrified to put that show on and I thought maybe nobody would show up and it was in a really kind of weird location unless you're a student at UBC, but it's pretty far for everybody else. And so I, I was, had a lot of, you know, self-doubt worry. I just like was totally unsure. And it's like maybe one of the things I'm the most proud of that I've done. You know, it's always the stuff that scares you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because then I came out the other side being like, damn, I worked really hard and that went really well. You know, like two receptions, which is pretty uncommon. And usually only have an opening. And I ended up being able to have a closing as well because there was, you know, people wanted it. So that was really awesome. And now you've raised the bar for yourself in a way you've broken the ceiling. Okay, if that was my ceiling, now what what am I capable of? It's on to the next level. And you can only kind of have that continual progress if you're always pushing that boundary for yourself. Totally. Getting comfortable with the discomfort, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's rough. But uh, but good for you. I'm I'm super impressed with everything that you're doing. And I'm so glad that I can't remember it was you that messaged me or I, I yeah, missed something on Instagram. I saw your like yearly highlights or whatever. And I just oh, really yeah. appreciated your bravery and like honesty about it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Seemed tough, but I like that you were like honest about it. And it was a bitch of a year. But yeah. I'm grateful for it now. But so so to end the to wrap this all up, I do usually a rapid fire kind of thing. Okay. And I always say the same fucking thing, which is it's not actually rapid fire. You can answer them in whatever speed you so choose. <laughs> Um, but it's just kind of interesting questions uh, okay. to get the mind going. So right now, what is a book that you're reading or have read recently that has impacted you the most? Ooh, Ooh that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I have been trying to get back into reading. I recently read um, 
The Glass Castle. Oh, I've heard of this. Which is a memoir. And it was pretty good, actually. It was just so interesting to read this family's experience. And they're sort of like nomads in a way and some really difficult situations, but how the children especially like got through it and were so resourceful um, was pretty neat. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I picked up two books. One of them is called They Call Me Number One. And it's about the reservation schools. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of those kids were, their names were taken away and they were assigned numbers. And so it's someone, I guess she was number one and she wrote a memoir about it. So that's what I'm going to be reading next. Yeah. And then for some reason, this just keeps coming up lately, but I haven't actually read it in a long time. But Big Magic, I think I'm going to reread that one because I remember when I read that one. That's... um. Elizabeth Gilbert. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I've read that one. That's a good one. Uh, What advice would you give your 20 year old self? (laughs) So much advice. (laughs) Um, I probably would tell her that nobody is watching. (laughs) Stop thinking about everybody else you're more talented than you think you are. And then most people, not most people, but like, just like based on the level of self-doubt I had, I feel like I probably could have existed in a more calm state, less anxious, all the things. Um, Yeah. I think just like be more confident and um, just like trust the process and that mm, your voice is important. Yeah, 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 you got this essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your? That's my favorite question to ask. By the way, I love your answer. <laughs> what is your favorite song or artist right now? What is like? Because you're you're listening to music all the time. I imagine. Uh, is there a song you have on repeat right now? Um, okay, over the holidays, I mostly just listen to Christmas music. I'll be honest, but uh, before that, I was obsessed with "Thank You Next" by Ariana Grande. Oh yeah. Yeah, mood for me. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Even though, like, I'm in a super happy relationship, and it's like not really relevant right now. But I just loved it so much, and I, I don't know. I listened to that like every day for like the first two weeks that it came out, and I was really living for the music video and whatever. But I also really loved the album that she put out as well. Even though that relationship didn't work out, but still a good album. So yeah, yeah. But I mean, I also I like really bounce between things like I love pop music but I also love you know indie alternative classical like all the things so in our house we listen to a lot of Bonnie Bear and uh Ben Howard mm, beautiful yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah just because there's they put you know classical rap whatever there's these boxes it's like mm-hmm. oh I'm supposed to be like the kind of person who One, fits in yeah. the rap box and it's like no you can listen to whatever you want it's yeah. all good you're feeling it you're feeling it also actually okay one other one that um during my show that I did I painted it for the show and when I was painting it I like it was the one song that I had to sometimes stop painting because I would just be like dancing around because it (laughs) um but Whitney Houston I want to dance with somebody it's such a good song like I knew it was good and I've heard it before and I've loved it before but I could listen to it a hundred times in a row and not get sick of it and I was like that that's a that's a top song. <laughs> Stands the test of time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Those are the good ones. <laughs> Final question. Um, what is your rebel cause? Essentially, 
why do you do what you do? What do you hope for your work to do for the world? Or yeah, essentially what's your why? Um, I guess, I mean, in some ways I just do it for myself because it fulfills me, but, um, on a bigger level, I think it has to do with perception and with my work. It's, it's just the fact that, you know, maybe you look at me and don't necessarily assume that I'm perceiving or experiencing the music differently than how you are or someone else is. But on a greater level, it's that we're all experiencing things in a different way. And sometimes you can't always see that, but learning to sort of be compassionate and, you know, interested in each other's stories and what we're yeah, going through and how we see the world. And there's all these different perspectives and um, yeah, but that the world is perceived so differently on an individual basis and just sort of sort of broadening that a little bit in just like a tiny way, you know, synesthesia, only 5% of the population has it. It's not like a global phenomena per se, but um, I think, yeah, just opening up that perspective a little bit and just realizing that we're all, yeah, a little different and, and what that looks like. I love that. That's awesome. So we'll end on that lovely note. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. It's been awesome. Yeah, oh, uh, before you. I forget, yes. where can people find you? This episode is going to be released. I'm a little backlog of guests. So it's going to be released in February. Awesome. Around February 20th. So what will be going on for you then? Or or if anything, or where can they find you on social media, website, all that stuff? Um, so I'm on Instagram at CLBO, which is C-I-E-L-E-B-E-A-U. Um, and then my website is the same www.clbo.com or www.soundtocolor with a u.com. And, um, I also have an art page on Facebook. If you look at my name, it will be there. Um, and I guess coming up, uh, I have a couple of pieces that will be up at Cardam's Donuts. <laughs> um, and I believe that show is going to open on March 1st. Uh, until the 30th. So they'll be up for like a month, but it'll be pieces that already exist. I might make one or two new ones. And yeah, I'll probably post all of that information on Instagram as well, uh, just so people have it. So just follow you on Instagram and they can keep up with all of your... Exactly. And seriously, check her out because like, it's really cool. I I love what what you're doing. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you for coming on. Yeah, this has been so fun. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. First podcast in the bag. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Rebel podcast. It really means the world to me. And if you like what you heard and you never want to miss another episode, head on over to iTunes and click subscribe to get notified every week. And while you're there, if you want to leave a rating and review, I wouldn't be mad. Music for the intro and outro on this episode is, as always, done by my guy Nathan from Extra Deluxe, and you can find a link to his stuff in the show notes. Okay, until next time.